0: Hi, welcome back to the Feel Good Nook. I'm Angelica. And I'm Samantha. And if you're new to the podcast, we're so glad that you've tuned in. If you're an avid listener, you know this is a space where we connect on feel good topics to expand our consciousness and a place where we open our hearts. Today's topic may not sound like a feel good topic, but there's a silver lining in everything. Anxiety management is the topic of discussion, and we bring on the wonderful Kelsey Cook as our guest.
1: Yes, Kelsey is a beam of light. She walked us through her journey of overcoming anxiety over the years. We learned that anxiety doesn't necessarily go away, but there are several ways to cope with it. Kelsey is based in LA. She has several years of experience teaching yoga and meditation. She's also a sound healer, Reiki master, and certified health coach. Talk about all of the wellness credentials.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We've included the link to her Instagram page and website in our description for you to check her out. She has tons of amazing blogs on health and wellness. I check out her blogs pretty often. They're incredible and she always has the best tip. So truly encourage you to visit her website and check her out. Her dynamic experience and background in wellness and holisticism brought in some incredible tips on how to self-manage anxiety on a daily basis and practice mental hygiene.
0: Yes, we learn all about mental hygiene, and we even learn a little bit about the history of our own anxiety Mm -hmm. through our conversation with her. And one of the biggest takeaways for me in this episode, you guys will find, uh, we discuss family boundaries. So it was a great reminder to set boundaries with your family. If family get-togethers ever cause an increase in anxiety, I'm sure not all. Uh, can relate to this. But if you do find yourself in that position, uh, she really, really discusses how to communicate those boundaries with those allies in your family. And of course, if you're feeling even bolder, directly stating that to the person in your family or the family members that contribute to this unease, it's very simple just to communicate uh, what's going on with you, what the holidays may bring or topics you don't want to get into just Mm -hmm. to avoid unpleasantries uh, because family is really all about having a good time exactly and that was actually an aha
1: moment for me as well it was the power of communicating it sounds so simple but in fact it's actually not as easy Um, When you are experiencing a moment of anxiety or you are in a period of anxiety, it's really great to just communicate what you are feeling to the person um, that you might be directly impacting or the people around you. So it's actually a very courageous act to speak up about your feelings and likewise draw boundaries, as you mentioned, Angie, to create a supportive environment for yourself especially if you are going through a transition period from anxiety into becoming more
0: grounded. Yeah, and you said something very important that we do discuss in this episode where we differentiate between moments of anxiety, but also long periods of anxiety that uh, may cycle into our lives every full moon or just Randomly, sporadically, when when things trigger you. So, other things we talk about, of course, are is the shame behind anxiety, how it manifests in our actions, behavior, physical body, and the difference between social anxiety and general anxiety, also situational mm-hmm. anxiety. Yes,
1: breaking family trauma, living situations. And the tough truth about having to perhaps let go of some people that may trigger you or that don't have your best interests in mind or who are not supportive around uplifting you in your period of anxiety.
0: Yes, so true. So this episode was really a fun one for us because it's just it was so free flowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so easy to discuss. We all felt safe to talk about the anxiety as it as it appears in our lives, and and we really hope that you enjoy it. Yes, and it was like breaking the
1: shame around anxiety. Like we were able to just talk about it openly, and uh, that's another benefit about opening up that we learned. It's like the more you open up to people you'll learn that you're not the only one who may have these episodes of anxiety. And it's actually a very relatable feeling um, that more and more people are feeling, especially because of what we are going through with the entire pandemic.
0: hmm Totally. Which brings up the anxiety that is passed on in in family mm-hmm. in in throughout the generations. Yes. So if we accumulate the mess that we've made on this beautiful (laughs) planet, you can see that this is a very common feeling a lot of people feel. So, yes. And we don't want to give out all of the
1: goodies. So with that said, we really hope that you enjoy this episode. Please share it with anyone who enjoys podcasts or anyone in your life who you think may benefit from learning about how to cope with anxiety, especially around the holidays that are right upon us.
0: And without further ado, let's welcome Kelsey Cook to the Feel Good Nook.
1: Kelsey, welcome to the Feel Good Nook podcast. We have been looking forward to connecting with you all week. Thank you so much for
2: having me. I'm super excited to chat with both of you today and connect not only with you, but with your your community as well.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So let's just start off with a very brief info about who you are. So you're L.A. based. You are yoga and meditation teacher. You're a sound healer, a Reiki master, and a certified health coach. Yeah, a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything. I love it. So dynamic and You're obsessed with all things health and spirituality, and so are we.
0: Totally. Perfect fit. Yeah, perfect fit,
1: yes. Um, So as we talked about earlier, we really wanted to focus this episode around anxiety. You have a very interesting story um, and journey on how you've dealt with anxiety and have really overcome what we thought was just worrying to actually transforming transforming that into what your practices focus on and that's you know the yoga the meditation the sound healing and i think these are all such great tools for us to learn about um for a lot of people who are struggling with anxiety especially now in this era since we're still in the pandemic after over a year
2: yeah exactly
1: So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your journey.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, really, for as long as I can remember, I have just been worried all the time um, about anything, big or small. And I assumed that, you know, worrying was just a normal part of life, which, of course, it is to, uh, you know, a certain extent. Um, And I just, you know, figured that these kind of anxious, worried, sometimes crazy thoughts were, were what everyone experienced. Um, it was probably about like eight years ago, maybe a little more at this point that I had this realization that, oh, this, this, there's something more to this. I don't think that this type of constant worrying is normal. And as it turns out, um, it, it's anxiety. It's not just worrying. It's not just nervousness. It's it's truly anxiety. And once I learned that, so many things that I had gone through and experienced made a lot more sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, to kind of speak to, you know, my anxiety and how it manifested. It really started to, I guess you could say, come to the surface in college. Um, I really developed um, some pretty bad body image issues and was obsessively dieting. And I, you know, became vegan and was very, very restrictive on what I was allowing myself to eat. And my sleep patterns had always been bad. Um, You know, the excessive worrying was, was always there. Um, When I was younger, I had, you know, that anxious stomach, you know, that feeling Mm -hmm. that you get in your gut. And I remember I would always be going to the nurse's office and asking for for Tums or Rolades. And it got to the point where the nurse was turning me away because they thought that I was just trying to get out of class. And it became, you know, this whole thing where my mom had to send Rolades for me to like keep at my teacher's desk and, you know, things, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, eventually the full-blown panic attacks started coming through and um I was always, you know, biting my nails, I'd pace a lot. There was a period where I was like pulling out, pulling out my eyelashes, picking up my skin, mm-hmm. just tossing and turning throughout the night, things like that, that, you know, seem harmless, but really, again, were those like coping mechanisms and the way that my anxiety was, was manifesting in my body physically. So, right. you know, that, that kind of sums that part up, but, you know, essentially, um, you know, some of these unhealthy habits started to spark this curiosity in wellness and holistic lifestyle. And I started really exploring that and dipping my toes into things like yoga and veganism and taking supplements and eating organic. So that journey kind of led me to where I am today over, you know, many, many, many years. Um, I guess you, you know, you could say that all of that negative has definitely turned into a positive, but it's, it's definitely been a journey.
1: Definitely. I mean, that sounds like a very, um, tough journey that you went through, um, especially because it manifested in your physical body, which I can totally relate to. Um, for me, like headaches are a sign when I'm like completely stressed mm-hmm. or over anxious. And then I've had like more wild things happen. Um, like when I got Bell's palsy, I definitely think that that was oh wow part of um, my nervous system just being overactive for yeah. too long of a period of a time that my body just like shut down.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and so I totally, you know, have so much empathy for, for you and your journey and for anyone out there that has anxiety, because, you know, it's, it's a tough journey uh, when you're do, trying to cope with it on your own. Um, so you mentioned, you know, all these things, like when you're worrying and, and things that were happen, happening to you. So like worrying, is, it's a normal part of, part of life, like you mentioned we all worry and worrying also has a, a positive effect, right? Like it helps you to be productive. Um, you have to have a level of alertness um, in order for you to make sure that you're safe. But where do we draw the line?
2: I think that, I mean, for, for me, um, the line really kind of comes down to, okay, is this thing that I'm worrying about valid? um, you know, like you said, we need to keep ourselves safe. So if we're walking down the street at night, there's not a lot of people around and we're worried or nervous in that moment, that's probably a a valid worry, most likely not anxiety. But when that worrying comes into your everyday life, and you are worried about things that not to say aren't valid for you to worry about, but most likely are not going to happen or are things that you're just kind of, you know, constantly running through in the back of your mind when the situation doesn't call for it. I think that that's sort of how you can differentiate between the two. It's the situational worrying is, you know, normal, it's good in some instances, but when it starts seeping into your everyday life and you're constantly worried in your day-to-day in situations where you are quote unquote safe, that's sort of that line between, oh, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z situation and I'm I'm struggling with anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm when you were talking about panic attacks, um, and you mentioned it was right around college, it brought me back to my first and only experience with that. But I'm trying to um, make sense of it and think like, nothing at that point had actually triggered it. I think it was an accumulation of having to make a decision. Where was I going to go for college? Um, What was that going to leave? Where was that going to leave my relationship at the time and the plans that you were have, you know, I had with my partner. Mm -hmm. And it really just went unchecked. And I, I started feeling like I was having a heart attack and then that was it. Like it never happened again. And I've been (sighs) in many stressful situations and I am I wouldn't say I'm a constant worrier, but I feel that I am always, there's something to do and my mind is in, it's scattered in a lot of places that Mm -hmm. that leads or that contributes to my anxiety and it just disappeared. And it's strange because I know that it was a panic attack and I just never really understood like how I was just sitting normally and it just came on. I wasn't... It wasn't, you know, an event or a situation that triggered it, which I am now reflecting back, like what what really happened there?
2: Yeah, I think I think sometimes, you know, like you said, it's the it's the buildup and especially for people who don't experience anxiety regularly or have not experienced it before, they can still have those moments where maybe there's a lot of stressful things, or like you said, you know, around the time you're going to college, you're making so many decisions and there's so much uncertainty and you're 18 and you're making all of these, you know, decisions about your future when, you know, really, we don't, we don't really know anything when we're 18. They want us (laughs) to think we do, but we don't. Right. And sometimes when you have a second to just sit with it after decision, 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 you, you know, you, you go to school and you get yourself settled and everything falls into the place. And you have a moment to, to be like, Whoa, you know, what, what just happened? It's like, it, it kind of all comes crashing down on you at once. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've had some time to move through it and sit with it. It's like, then it comes over you and you're just maybe not doing anything or you're not in that moment but you feel it come over you because you've actually been able to sit down and, and pause for a moment.
1: Right. That's so interesting. Like you have to like really just take that moment to process how long these thoughts have been accumulating for, for it to reach to the point where it's like almost like a breaking point. And, and that's the thing, like anxiety, I feel like, how can we truly identify where it comes from? Like, where does it stem from? Um, is it genetics? Is it environmental? Is it a chemical imbalance? Um, is it trauma or events? you know, you mentioned situations and social anxiety and the different types of categories of anxiety um, But from your experience and from what you've learned on your journey, like where does anxiety stem from?
2: So I think that it's it's definitely a combination of genetic and, or hereditary, you know, whichever, whichever word you prefer, um, and environmental. Um, I, and I've also read that if someone in your family experiences anxiety, you are more likely to experience it as well. I don't think there's any sort of set, you know, like, um, guarantee or, you know, percentage of people that, you know, if if your mom or your dad has it, that you will then also have it. But Mm -hmm what you see when you're younger and the patterns of behavior that are modeled to you, you know, we all know that, that we pick up on that. So if you grew up with a really anxious mom or really anxious dad, it's, you know, it's, it's more likely that you will also be anxious simply because that's what was modeled to you. Um, Interesting. Perfect example. Both of my, both of my grandmas were, were very, very anxious (laughs) women. Um, And it was always, you know, we would, you know, tease them and, oh, just gra- grandma's worried, you know, like, I remember my mom, like, bought my grandma a worry stone. Have you seen those, like, little, no. they're like, little crystals with, like, yeah. finger grooves in them as a joke? And it was, you know, I don't think they even recognized it as anxiety because, of course, back in their day, like, no one went to to get help for that sort of things. It just, it was what it was. Um, so, I, I feel like, that is definitely part of the reason that I probably experience anxiety Mm -hmm. in the way that I do. Um, I spent a lot of time with, with my, with both of my grandmas growing up. Um, but then of course, again, the environmental, you know, what sort of living situation are you in? What sort of trauma have you experienced? Um, Mm -hmm. like what situations that have happened to you in the past are you carrying around with you bringing into your everyday life that, you know, you're, you're still carrying the anxiety or the stress from that can affect how you're feeling now, even if it happened 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think it it comes from both places. Um, and then, you know, the, the situational too, right? Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before how I have a good amount of friends that have come to me over, you know, this last almost two years now, you know, we've been dealing with this pandemic. And, you know, they've told me I've never had anxiety in my life and wow. I'm anxious now. And <laughs> what do you do? How do you deal? <laughs> so <laughs> I think that with just the collective uncertainty and the collective anxiety that we were all facing there for a while, and I mean, quite frankly, still are, everyone started to pick up on that. And, whether they experienced it before or not, was something that that was very real for them. So I think there's lots of different reasons or lots of different ways that a person can experience anxiety. And maybe for like, for me, it's a little bit of all three of those things that I just mentioned, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that that, you know, pretty much Pretty much sums it up. So to answer your question, long story short, I think that yes, it it can it it is and can be hereditary, but it also just can be learned based on your environment.
1: Wow, wow! I mean, that totally makes sense. Like, if <laughs> yes. I think about why <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, <laughs> like, I think let's go know, back to our childhood, right? <laughs> quick, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, like, just like fear like we all have innate fear, like fear does serve a purpose, like there, it's healthy to have a level of fear, it's also very primal, right, it's like a biological thing that we just cannot seem to shake off, Mm -hmm. and we have a tendency to like make it bigger than it actually is, Um, and it's also like the fear of the like unknown, and so I think that like anxiety, especially if your mind is like running a thousand miles per hour, like oftentimes it's, It's the uh, not like not having the ability to know the outcome or like to have control. Mm -hmm. So I think like letting go of control um, is really helpful and just allowing yourself to just let it go and just have a little bit of faith and knowing that it's okay. Like you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to know what a month from now looks like. Um, and, and just like having that, right. But there's like coping mechanisms that are super essential. And, and in these cases, like, can people truly deal with anxiety on their own? Like, can someone who has a anxious, like nervous system, can, can that be relearned? Like, even if you have had environmental or family, um, trauma.
2: I, You know, it's it's different for everyone. And I'm never going to be the person that says, you know, don't go to therapy or don't take medication for your anxiety because I'm not a doctor. And I, you know, I can't tell people what is best for them in that way. Um, You know, based on my personal experience, like, yes, you totally can get a hold of your anxiety without medication. I've never taken any medication for my anxiety. I in college when everything really started to, Mm -hmm. you know, hit its boiling point, I did start seeing um, just a free counselor at at my college who was so helpful Mm -hmm. um, just to have someone who did not know me or anything about my life there to talk me through certain situations. So I really, am a proponent for, you know, working with a therapist. Um, I recently started seeing a therapist again just because my health insurance covers it. I just have to pay a copay for the first time in years. And um, even on the days where I'm like, I, you know, I, I speak with her once a week and some days I'm like, I should just cancel. Like, I don't really have anything to talk about today. <laughs> we always end up talking for the full hour. Yeah. Right. And it just, I think right. it's good just Like mental hygiene for myself, um, in addition to all of the other things that I do. So, to you know, to answer the question, yes, I think it's totally possible to manage and get your anxiety under control on your own. But that's not going to be the best situation or the best solution for for everybody. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're trying different things and you're trying to manage it on your own and it's not working, see a therapist. And maybe if that therapist thinks that you do need medication to help you with where you're at, they can then, you know, refer you to a doctor who would be able to, to prescribe that. Um, you know, most therapists don't, don't prescribe medication, but, um, again, it's, it's going to be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I haven't had to go that route, but, just like to reiterate that you know, it's okay if you do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no shame in that. Everyone's different. Everyone has different levels of anxiety, and some people, you know, will will need to take that route. And there's zero shame in that as well.
1: Yes, I love I love hearing that affirmation. I think that's just super super important for people to hear. Like the whole shame, like there's so much shame around mm-hmm. being anxious or being or On the other side, like having depression or any of these other like emotions that are seen as extreme, but mental health is real, and I really, really love that you called it mental hygiene um, because I feel like that kind of puts in a different mindset. You're, you're taking care of your mind, right? Like your thoughts. You're talking to someone about about what's what's going on, just like we would when we go to the gym, like that's physical hygiene, what we're eating, yep. we're putting into our bodies. That's, you know, that's all hygiene. That's a way that you're taking care of yourself. And it's all very incremental. But um, it's just the most important thing and I know that like we're talking about this earlier but like the the shame of like you almost want to like come out to the world and be like hey like yeah anxiety (laughs) right and And then even
0: when you do you'll be shamed for like getting better you know (laughs) like oh you think you're better than us and when you ladies are bringing up great points about earlier um just Anxiety where it stems from. And I was really connecting with the points you were making Kelsey about the family dynamic, uh, almost kind of giving rise to the anxiety. That's just innate in, in, in (laughs) my (laughs) self. Um, I think just coming from a troubled, uh, community where there is gang violence or it's not safe to walk around, um, at certain hours by yourself, like some of these things definitely carry over later in your life. For Mm, me, mm -hmm. that can be manifested in like being hyper alert um, in my surroundings, especially at night, especially if I'm by myself, there's like a hyper awareness of survival mode and bringing it back to what Sam, you were saying um, about coming out and coming out with your anxiety and not feeling shameful about it reaching a certain point. I think in your wellness journey, you're going to find that you're leaving people behind almost um, Mm -hmm. because it is, it is a big leap to affirm that you deal with things that are not going to be cured. Like Kelsey, Mm -hmm. would you agree that you're not, there's no cure to anxiety. If you're an anxiety prone person, it's just about management
2: I would say, I mean, in my experience, yes, like I, I don't like consider myself cured from anxiety. I just manage it really well. Um, and have gotten to a point more so in the, probably the last four, four years, give or take, where I don't, ex- like, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had a panic attack. So that in that sense, it's like, okay, I don't have panic attacks anymore right now but am I still anxious often? Yes. I just, I just, I just deal with it. I just deal with it better than I, than I did before. Um, and I, you know, I haven't, you know, I don't know if I've, if I've ever spoken with someone who's like, Oh, I used to have anxiety, but like, I never, I never do anymore. Maybe, Maybe there are, I'm sure there are. Um, I think in my experience, it's, exactly what you said it's more of a management than a cure
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and I think that like that's when the therapy really comes into play like when I went to a therapist and I was telling her about my anxiety and pretty much like my life to that point she was really impressed by my coping mechanisms because I had to learn how to cope with my anxiety on my own. Mm-hmm. But I knew that like it, that's only going to take me so far. Like at at some point or another, like there's more assistance that I needed. Like I need to know different skills to get me past to the breaking point because that's also you know equivalent to growth. I think that if you're truly adamant about dealing with your anxiety and managing it, then there is another layer of growthfulness that you can experience it. And otherwise, like if you go with anxiety unmanaged, like it can actually hinder your goals. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's like a way that you have to kind of draw the line. Like when you figure out that you have this vision in mind, but you're almost blocking yourself then you you need that extra step for someone to kind of help you along the way to hold your
2: hand almost. Path. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, for me, therapy is sometimes it's just nice to talk things through mm-hmm. as they're happening or before they happen. If it's something that you're worrying about and almost get ahead of it where I probably wouldn't talk things through with, my boyfriend or my friends ahead of time, the way that I would in therapy, because you could just talk they're unbiased and they can offer you the tools to support. They know the questions to ask to help guide you, to get you to a, you know, better, a better mindset. Um, and I think that that's been super helpful for me in just again, keeping it from getting to the point where it is unmanageable.
1: Yes, yes. And Angie, you, you mentioned earlier about how, like communicating, like Kelsey, you said, you know, you you start to figure out who the people are that you can talk to about your anxiety. So you will go through to your therapist, you'll be more proactive. Um, and there might be things that you can share with your boyfriend, other things that you may not feel so comfortable to open up right away about. Um, And that kind of, like, made me think about, Angie, what you said earlier about, like, losing people along the way. And that's a really, like, such a good point. Um, If I think about my journey, like, there have been people in my life who trigger me in a specific way that have brought out the worst of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I had to make the mature decision to be like, I absolutely, like, love you, but you're just not healthy for me Mm -hmm. because it triggers me to the point where like I start behaving differently. Yeah. And that's not something that I want to feel.
0: If people are not ready to make that leap to um, seek out a therapist um, or even just talk to someone, uh, about their their anxiety, you have to know what is a healthy way of coping with your anxiety and your triggers, and what is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So knowing what falls where is really important. Kelsey, what what do you think is um, some helpful guidance in determining? what is a healthy coping mechanism for anxiety, for the anxiety that one may experience and what could be the opposite?
2: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's such a good question and and such a good point, you know, for people who are not ready to go talk to someone about it and they just want to try to deal with it on their own. I think like a big one, that's an obvious negative coping mechanism is, you know, reverting to, you know, drugs and alcohol in a way that you're drinking to mask your feelings or Mm -hmm. to, to numb them out. Um, that I think is like the first, (laughs) the first red flag. If if that's how you're coping with your anxiety, you know, it's Mm -hmm. definitely a a negative, um, or overeating, I think is another one overeating, um, you know, trying to mask your feelings with, with food or satiate yourself with food or the opposite end of the spectrum, not eating. I Mm. dealt with a lot of that because I would get that nervous stomach. And when I have that anxious, nervous stomach, I can, I can go a couple of days without, without eating anything just because I, I feel so out of sorts that I'm just like, I can't even think about food. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, definitely, definitely those types of things. Um, you know, on the positive end of the spectrum, um, moving your body. Um, I always used to joke that like I would wake up a little anxious on like a Sunday, you know, classic Sunday scaries before work, and I would just go for a walk to nowhere for three hours with like no destination in point in, or point in in mind. I would just go. And that was like my body's way of saying like, okay, you need, like, I want you to go and do something mm-hmm. right now. And by the end of it, I'd feel so much better. Cause I put that anxious energy into something, something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's going for a long walk, um, you know, taking a workout class, going to yoga, can't stress the benefits <laughs> of yoga for anxiety enough. Um, just moving your body and directing that anxious energy, into something else um you know also on that like doing something creative um like those adult coloring books are great (laughs) for people with anxiety because it gives your mind something else to focus on and Mm -hmm. another place for that energy to go and get out of your out of your physical body and then there's you know the obvious ones like meditating taking a bath um self-care, getting a a massage, doing a face mask, things to just calm your nervous system Mm -hmm. and do something nice for yourself where your mind can relax a little bit and you can just kind of step back from the craziness of whatever's going on and just say, nope, I'm just going to take this hour for just me right now. Um, And yeah, you get, you know, all the benefits of you know, the physical benefits of a bath or a massage or a face mask along with those, you know, those mental benefits as well.
0: It's a win-win situation. Exactly. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. Um, One thing that like has been on my mind recently have been the holidays, just because Mm -hmm. during the holidays, there's (laughs) a lot of people that just begin to experience that heightened anxiety yeah, because of family tension, perhaps something that you haven't forgiven. Um, you might have had a recent argument with a sibling or a family member, and there's always that person that like just seems to trigger you for whatever <laughs> reason. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so
1: you know, as we as we approach the holidays, what is a good a good way for someone to deal with anxiety around around this time?
2: Yeah, I mean this this topic is. I feel like holidays are not like th- your family and those tensions can run high at all at at all times and I think the first thing kind of like coming out and saying I have anxiety and taking the shame away from it is just knowing truly every family has problems and everyone has issues and butts heads with someone in their family, whether it's a parent, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, it's, it's there. Every family has their stuff that they go through. So don't feel bad that you're anxious about going home for the holidays or, you know, you don't get along with someone in your family because trust me, there's no such thing as, as perfect in any aspect of life. And I think family is, is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, the second is boundaries. And I think boundaries are so important in a lot of aspects of our lives, but especially around the holidays with the family and knowing your limits, knowing, okay, after two days, I really have a hard time being around my parents or my my brother or my sister. So don't go home for a week over Thanksgiving, right? If you if you know that that 2 days is all about all you can take, make it 2 days or maybe stay at a hotel or an Airbnb instead of at home. Um, you know, in your in your, you know, high school bedroom and your your childhood house. Um So that would be another one just kind of identifying what your boundaries are and And holding yourself to them and communicating your boundaries with your, with your family too, letting them know like, Hey, I'm excited to come home for Thanksgiving this year. I think I'm just going to stay for two days. Um, you know, just, just let that be that. Or I think I'm going to get a hotel and, you know, if they pry a lot and ask why you can kind of use your discretion, how much information you want to give them, but also just know that, you know, you can, you can just say, it's, it's just what I'm doing. You don't owe anyone an explanation.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And on that note as well, like personally for me, politics are like off limits with my family, just Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's so many differing opinions and viewpoints and, the con no one's going to change anyone's mind it's like right. it's at that <laughs> yeah. it's at that point you know like yeah. my uncle is not going to convince me to you know adopt his political views and vice versa it's just not going to happen so what is the point in talking about them if all it's going to do is upset people and cause tension um just leave them off leave it off limits and again, communicate that with your family. Hey, I'm really excited to see you. Can we please not talk about politics or about COVID or whatever it is? Um, so I think, yeah, just boundaries, communication. And then the last piece I would also say is finding those practices. So again, when I'm anxious, I like, I like to move my body. So taking time when I'm at home to actually go and just take some time for myself to go on a walk. Or I always like to find a yoga class to go to when I'm home and, and just taking the time for you to step outside of everything, come back to yourself and remove yourself from the situation for, in, you know, an hour or two and then come back into it kind of with a fresh mind mm-hmm. um, can, can work wonders as well.
0: I love what you said about setting boundaries Uh, With your family, especially if anyone can relate to perhaps a family uh, or many family members in the family find it, you know, laughable, or if someone's gonna talk about, you know, how... They're feeling anxious if you know they discuss these topics and I could see it turning into like a big laugh fest for some families like right mine like oh what you you're too anxious you don't want to talk about this like it becomes something that they hold over your head and as long as you just keep enforcing and really for those those boundaries that you're creating, it's for a reason right <laughs> you may not want to discuss um. Your job, or you may not want to discuss um, a previous topic that was unfinished and there yeah. was tension left. Like now is not the time. Can we maximize this time? We don't really get together that much for whatever reason—the pandemic or just people mm-hmm. growing up and doing Distant different things. and All yeah. that. I think it's a it's a great reminder uh, for myself and for anyone else who is feeling anxious about the holidays and you you know yoga that's a must that morning <laughs> you know when yep. you're going to hang out with your family go hard in the meditation <laughs> go hard in the yoga because you kind of know you're going to need it
2: <laughs> yeah even like if you find yourself you know in a conversation that you don't want to be in just seeing yourself out going to you know, excuse yourself, go to, go into the bathroom and just take a deep breath for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, and even, yeah, like to your point, you families love to like pick on you. Right. And Mm -hmm. they love to push your buttons and you have the choice to Mm -hmm. say, Nope, I'm not going to engage with that or Nope, I'm not going to let that bother me. Um, Mm -hmm. and to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I think people are, nervous to do that because again it's family and you know that might trigger them to you know go after you even more which it often does but you also have the power to to walk away and choose choose not to engage and set that boundary and and show them like hey I'm I'm not joking I, I really don't want to talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you set that precedent beforehand or in the moment when it comes up is, is, you know, your choice, but it's, you know, for me, um, no politics is just going to become a blanket, um, just a a blanket rule.
1: (laughs) That's really great. That's really, you know, it's, it's, it's just so good for you to just stand up for yourself and know how to communicate what your needs are. Cause that's, pretty much like the first step like first you have to let people know where you where you stand Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on because a lot of a lot of times um, people will just assume things about you or they'll misjudge you or they don't really understand your behavior or your sentiment around specific topics and it's really up to you to take that responsibility for yourself to let the people around you know um where your limits are and what those boundaries are and if they respect your boundaries great you know like i think that they they should be respected and and for those who are just respecting your boundaries or not taking them seriously then that kind of goes back to the earlier conversation about you know losing people along the way uh you don't always have to you know remain friends with 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 um you know friends that you might have had before you became aware about your anxiety or before you actually came out about what your anxiety is right so Mm -hmm. I think that's completely normal and another tip that I I like I have learned works for me is having allies in your, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah yeah like (laughs) your your sister or your brother like Someone that really knows you, um, you can talk to openly and have one-on-one discussions even prior to the entire family gathering, I think really helps because you know that you have someone in your corner and you know that someone's being compassionate around um, how you're feeling in that situation.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like knowing who you can go to. um, You know, I have my, you know, few people that um, even though they – they can't necessarily relate to me because they don't experience anxiety themselves. Like my boyfriend's a perfect example. Like I still know that I can go to him and he will support me and be there for me and not judge me and not just tell me to calm down. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone, everyone's heard calm down before and Mm -hmm. newsflash, it doesn't work. Um, But yeah, like you said, having those people in your corner where you trust them and you know that you can go to them to even just talk something out um, is is so, so helpful.
0: So true. Sam, you sent me something and I was just thinking about it right now, the difference between men and women, how they deal with anxiety. Um, if you... It was, a, I believe, a podcast yes. with Dr. What's her name? Dr. Anxiety. The, in- the Anxiety Doctor. That's yeah. <laughs> um, she said that in her experience as a therapist, uh, she sees that men, if you give them a task, you know, relating to their anxiety, that they will accomplish it. Men are action-oriented, so they perform and they do what they're told. And women are a little bit different, whereas they put so much pressure on themselves Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're they're their toughest critic in all respects because you know they're not only criticizing themselves but even taking into consideration what other people think and it's a lot Mm -hmm. difficult for women to kind of complete the task that they're given by this therapist because um they're they're just really hard on themselves And you bring up a great point about your boyfriend, Kelsey, how he's not um, anxious at all. And that's a great uh, union for you to kind of, um, or buffer between your anxiety and whatever situation is there. Um, Because it kind of is like, okay, like, I I can, I have a great example right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, he kind
2: of like levels me out a bit where like, I can be like, oh, okay, so like, he doesn't seem too concerned, so, like, should I be concerned, you know? Like, it's almost <laughs> like he's, a, he's, like, a good reference point for me sometimes in that way. Um, it, you know, it it balances out. So it's, like, even though, yeah, he's, like, he can't say, oh, like, I'm sorry, I know how you feel. He doesn't have to, you know? So if you feel like you don't have any friends who or family members who you think – would you know you can relate to in that way Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they're your friend and you trust them they're going to do whatever they can to support you even if they can't relate
0: yeah i i can see how picking an ally you know that might be one of the things you take into consideration (laughs) like is this person just as good (laughs) with this anxiety like i am or should i be looking for right like if i go to if i go to a friend yeah if i go
2: to a friend who's like also anxious and try to talk something through like nine times out of ten i will feel more anxious or exactly the same
0: i could see that 100 yeah that could definitely actually make the situation worse exactly (laughs) exactly it's such a good point
1: and yeah. there's like that attachment theory right where there's like the secure the anxious and then the avoider
2: oh right yes I you know I'm not super familiar with the attachment styles but I know high level and I know that like anxious attachment is one of them and then there's like the avoidant as well mm-hmm. um that's that's definitely a topic that like it always comes up the attachment styles. It's always, always comes up, but I've, I've honestly never looked too much into it, but this conversation is, is reminding me that I, I need to do that because I think it would, it, it would just be helpful for me and, you know, for, Just general life.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, it is. It's a really good book. Um, You can find it on Audible. Like, if you want to just like listen to it uh, Mm -hmm. in the morning. But I thought it was really, um, really enlightening, especially as I was like self-assessing myself um, because I saw myself as like secure, but then also anxious, and that really brought to light that I'm I'm secure with certain personalities, but I'm anxious with other types of personalities or thinking about how that relates to relationships Kelsey like you mentioned it's very similar with my partner he's very much like a secure person he's like so chill Mm -hmm. (laughs) too chill sometimes where I'm like like you said earlier like should I be worried (laughs) Um, and, and then Angie like you were saying how like women and men like they deal with it differently like there's a guilt that comes up and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like the guilt or the shame, but when I'm I'm in a phase where I'm a little bit nervous because of the responsibilities that I have and the things that I want to accomplish, and feeling like there isn't a lot of time in my day to do it all, like that's really when my anxiety starts to build up. So I need to have those moments um, to really address that, but there's the guilt where I think about how that might be affecting other people and I recently had a conversation with him and I was like like do you feel my anxiety or or is it just like (laughs) like, (laughs) and he's like not really he's like I don't see you he's he says that he like he thinks that I the way that I explain it is very different from the way that he experiences it
0: yeah, and, mm. is and your think, explanation worse than what he sees? <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- right? And I think that's part of the anxious mind. It's like you
1: are experiencing it very differently than than other people can actually see it. Like people think that I'm super chill too, and I am. And right now, I'm probably giving the public like a different perception of how like,
0: <laughs> the <I'm brilliant>. public,
1: <laughs> right? Like I'm not like out there like like nervous like you know right right in the hallway. It's just there's certain things that I worry about that I often question. If other people are, um, but you know, like that that kind of goes back to the whole conversation about who's actually out and willing to not have shame around their anxiety, um, versus those that might just be dealing with it and not managing it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think the way that, like, like you were saying, how, like, how does he experience my anxiety? Like that, that says a lot too. Um, I would say that probably like, the people that know me best know when I'm anxious, mm-hmm. but other people might not necessarily be able to pick up on it because I don't always like carry that really anxious energy right. noticeably, but the people who are closest to me are like, what's wrong? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I'm a pretty anxious person as well, and that's not what people see. And I think I just have gotten pretty good at managing it. And physically for myself, I know it's manifesting when I start sweating. Hmm. So Hmm. I feel it immediately. And I have to sometimes just talk myself really quick through it. Like calm down, you know, relax. And that never works. (laughs) Like you said, I agree. It never works. (laughs) It just subsides. It's like a little hurdle you just have to get over. And a really, you have to feel it, but yeah. in social settings, you're not able to sit there with your feelings, but that taking a break is probably the game changer, just excusing yourself and yeah. really sitting with those feelings and letting them pass because they will, they'll yeah. pass.
2: I always, I call it take five. Like sometimes you just got to take five mm-hmm. <laughs> and regroup and come back. <laughs>
1: Right. Right. And it's also a bit like it's situational, like the duration for how long your anxiety lasts. It can last just like a day. And other
0: times Mm -hmm. it's
1: a week, other times it's a month. Um, Like in my experience, like I'll feel completely fine for like months to come. And then all of a sudden there's like that day or like that week that trigger me. And then I'm anxious for for during that time. And then I'll talk about it. And normally what I've noticed is that I just have to talk to someone about it. So mm-hmm. whether that's a friend or family member or my partner, I'll just kind of share what's going on. And just a simple fact of, of talking through and, and someone holding that space where I'm not dealing with this alone, just completely relieves me of that pressure and the pressure just kind of fades away. And then, and then it's gone and then i'll be fine for you know months to come and then it, i might experience it again so um i think that's another thing that the reality of anxiety is that it's not very calculated like it just really depends on uh, the responsibilities that you have for you know that whatever like the responsibilities that you're holding things that you have to do events that you have to attend it can be a, an accumulation of uh, different situations
0: yeah I yeah. agree I think even just like knowing <laughs> I'm a big astrology fan and I same <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many people who are you're like oh, no it's okay it's just mercury retrograde <laughs> Make big decisions now let me just sit with my thoughts and let let things marinate and I have found that my anxiety takes peak on a full moon and I know the saying like it's an old saying like in the full moon's out you yeah. know mm-hmm. everyone's acting a little crazy but for me it completely makes sense it's when I'm the most anxious it's uh, so all that built up energy you know and the
2: full moon you probably know this but you know it's it's the completion of a cycle and things are coming to fruition and the theme around every full moon is is letting go so it's not surprising that you tend to feel that way cuz it's like everything has built up to this point your body's almost synced up with the the cycle of the moon and it's like okay i need to, now i need to release this it's all built up and i'm feeling it i'm feeling that energy and now i got to let it go
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and this last uh, full moon I didn't realize it but like I didn't want to do a thing I was just like I need to just take care of myself I don't know what's coming on but something's coming on Mm -hmm. and sure enough (laughs) I felt like a hermit the whole weekend and it was good for me though uh, because I didn't I, I couldn't see myself committing to doing something knowing how I I'm already perceiving this full moon so I just took it completely chill and relaxed and just you know like you said took baths and meditated. you set a boundary for yourself you were like Uh I know
2: I know that I'm not going to want to do anything so Uh I'm not going to do anything it's like you you don't even have to set those boundaries always with other people sometimes you have to set a boundary with yourself where Mm -hmm. this is something I'm working on I tend to over schedule my weeks like I want to see friends. I want to go to events. I, you know, I teach in the evenings and I I get to Monday and I'm like, Oh, I have something to do every single night this week. And mm-hmm. I love being at home. I love ending the day and just like not having any responsibility and just being able to chill and cook dinner, watch TV and just be at home. And I had a week like that a few weeks ago where I was just like, what, what have I done? (laughs) You know, why? Like what have I done to myself? (laughs) Yeah. Like I could have told that friend like, Hey, this week is busy. Can we try for next week? But I didn't, I was just like, Oh yeah, sure. Tuesday works, you know, let's why not. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's again, something I'm working on is, is setting those boundaries with myself because when, when I don't, I suffer for it, right? I don't get the rest that I need. I don't get to just like, there's, it's taking time to just like do nothing and just be is so underrated. (laughs) I feel like like mindlessly watching TV like is a luxury these days, right? Like when do we get to do that? And um, I, I think that the go, go, go culture and the constantly doing, needing to be doing something, especially too after, you know, COVID changed everything, right? And everyone was home and restaurants were closed and we couldn't travel and we couldn't see friends like we were used to. And now that it's opened back up, we of course want to go and do everything. But the taking the time to just be is, again, so beneficial for so many reasons for your mental health and your just overall well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, can't recommend it enough. So. Yeah. after the holiday to do it's just like take time to do nothing as well
1: <laughs> definitely like all of that can be super overstimulating and I think that just having that extra stimulation especially you know you have Instagram you have like your social media and then you're expected to also meet people in person and do all of these things so I think the overstimulation can really add to your anxiety and I recently read uh this quote about like burnout how burnout isn't necessarily just about doing too much, but it's doing the things that are out of alignment with
2: your soul. Yes. I love
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, and I never really thought about it that way. And I was like, that's so true because you can do a lot of the things that actually ignite you and you don't feel exhausted. But if you're doing things like going out late and getting drunk and, you're not getting your eight hours of sleep um, and just mm-hmm. committing to things that you know <laughs> your heart you don't want to do. Exactly. All of that can lead to that anxiety and that burnout. Yeah, and it's like you
2: know the the culture too is like you know I definitely am in a lot of ways a people pleaser. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. But mm-hmm. everyone's so afraid to just say no. Like, nope mm-hmm. i I don't. I don't want to do that today or ever. Um, And I think that if we actually just started being honest with ourselves and with other people, it would help so much because to your point, like fill your time up with stuff that you actually enjoy and want to be doing will, will change everything. Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: Simplifying. It reminds me of that quote um, that I posted not that long ago about, like if you, and I don't know how to actually quote it, but the concept is if you actually lived in the present moment, you'd find you have time to do whatever you want. And yep. it's true. Like <laughs> if you were to just intentionally carve out some time to be present, it's endless. It's the to-do list doesn't exist, but you actually have opportunities and options to do what actually fuels you and makes you feel alive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I so well said. So I want to. I want you to share with us as we wrap up this episode. What is your feel good tip? So, what 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 do you want to leave with people? What is one tip you have that can make you feel good? Let me. I mean, I feel like I've already shared
2: um, <laughs> so many things that that work for me. Um, I might honestly just come back to that idea of taking five, right? Mm. You're having a moment, you're in a situation that's making you anxious. You're in a conversation that you don't want to be having and you just want it to end. Just take five, step away, collect yourself, take some deep belly breaths, really inhale completely and breathe out with a big sigh and just get it out move that energy that's building up inside of you out of your body and reset yourself and then pick back up where you left off um Mm -hmm. i i can't i can't stress that enough and it in in all situations, I think that that's something that can be applied. You don't have to be into yoga or meditator or anything like that to be able to just step away and take a deep breath. So um, I think, I think that's what I'll, I'll, that's what I'll leave you with.
1: (laughs) I love that. Take five. This has been so, so great, Kelsey. You have really just helped me with the Sunday scaries. <laughs> <laughs> good. I have them a little bit right now. Myself, so <laughs> we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I just feel so fueled to tackle this this week to come. Um, I love oh, the tips that you gave around the holidays. And just for us to remember, which are one, communicate what you're feeling two, create those boundaries and know what those boundaries are. Three, have a practice such as yoga, sound healing, taking a bath, etc. But or four, have your ally and know who your allies are and speak to them one on one. And then the last one, make the time.
0: Yep. I love so that. Good. Thank you for wrapping that up so beautifully for us, Sam. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, I'm taking my notes down. I was like <laughs> I, I was ready for these tips, Kelsey.
0: <laughs> I know. I just wrote take 5 like 20 times in my
1: notebook. Take 5. Just sometimes
0: That's how you got to take 5. <laughs> I love just, you know, writing random things. It helps me. Put it in this I wrote note. That down So many times I love it. Kelsey, yeah. thank you so much for being on with us today. You're and welcome. It's a thank true you. Pleasure.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Um, yeah. And if, you know, if anything else comes up or, you know, you have questions that, um, you know, people that your community have, you know, feel free to send them my way or, um, you know, I'm happy to happy to connect with them as well.
1: Yes, and we absolutely will. We'll include your information on our description on this. Perfect. Perfect. But can you also just quickly walk us through where um, our listeners can find you? And also just maybe a brief uh, intro to the types of classes and meditation that you have. um, Because I think you have a few events that you do on a weekly that I think would be really helpful for anyone who is looking for that extra wellness and holisticism practice in their daily routine. Yeah, so
2: for anyone listening who is uh, based in LA, I right now have a um, weekly Monday evening um, yin yoga and sound bath class at a studio in Santa Monica um, someone else teaches the yoga but but I do the sound bath for that and on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock I'm teaching um, outdoor yoga classes in Culver City with um, a new studio Yoga 6 that I'm going to be teaching at when they open um, that's on Wednesday evenings so that's kind of what I have going on right now things you know probably be a little up in the air with the holidays and the new year but right now um that's what I have and you know people can connect with me primarily you know I'm on I'm on all social channels for the most part but um I'm primarily on Instagram at Kelsey Cook Wellness and my website um you know has all the info about me or you know all the stuff that I do my upcoming classes and events which is kelseycookwellness.com.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kelsey. We will definitely share this out and uh, we hope that that our listeners will also seek you out so that they can continue to um, partake in your wisdom and just really help get some guidance around different topics that would be really, really helpful.
2: Perfect. Thank you again. Uh, This was, this was super fun and yeah, that's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.